WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Your host, J. Paul Newman of the Monthly District Attorney Show, will now take you on a journey to explore recent Rutherford County court cases, cold cases, and more. We welcome everyone to the program. My name is J. Paul Newman. My co-hosts today are Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones and Rutherford County Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime. We also thank our producer, Scott Walker. Most of all, we thank you for listening. In our Inside the Court segment, Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones will tell us about recent and upcoming grand jury, general sessions, and circuit court activity. Then, Rutherford County Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch will discuss an area of the law that dramatically impacts on our community in the ever-popular What's the Law segment. And we will begin our broadcast with our Call to Conviction segment. And in that segment, I will profile the December 2000 kidnapping, rape, and robbery of one of our community's educators. And to protect the victim's privacy, we will not provide her name or where she was employed. To help me discuss this horrible crime, we are privileged to have on our broadcast the lead investigator on the case, Detective Jack Keesling of the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. And now a word of warning. Because of the vicious and cruel nature of this crime, listener discretion is advised. We will begin our broadcast after you listen to these important messages. Right now that time, 817, we are broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Middle Tennessee Electric supplying power to the station's 328-foot tower in downtown Murfreesboro. Middle Tennessee Electric, serving to make life better since 1936. Market declines, unemployment, oil prices. Don't let headlines derail your long-term financial strategy. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor Lee Colvin. I'll work with you to help you understand the impact of short-term events and how to be positioned for the long term. We provide the tools for a disciplined approach to investing. Call 615-907-7056 for an opportunity to discuss your situation. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. This is Dr. David Morris with Magnolia Medical Center. Do you suffer from peripheral neuropathy in your hands or feet, burning pain, balance problems, and decreased quality of life? Magnolia Medical Center can help. Magnolia Medical Center in Murfreesboro. Online at magnoliamedicalcenters.com. Hi, this is Peter Demas. Join our family at Demas' Restaurant. So many people buy so many different things. You know, I go out to eat and I like eating steak, where my wife will end up getting our salmon. Our salmon is cut fresh, so she loves our salmon. It's one of those places that you can go, you can get pastas or chicken. You know, the kids love it. 
get what you want at Demas's Restaurant and not be limited just to one or two items. Join our family at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. A search for truth. We'll review a case that proves there is evil in this world. It is the brutal kidnapping, rape, and robbery of a local school teacher. With us today to discuss that case is Detective Jack Keesling of the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department. From call to conviction, time now for a look back at one of the more intriguing and important cases for this community. From the crime, the investigation, to the prosecution. For our case study today, we go to December the 9th in the year 2000. It is late in the evening. The weather is cold and rainy. Inside of a Murfreesboro, Tennessee restaurant, a young man and his wife are having a disagreement. Angrily, the wife leaves the restaurant alone and walks down the street. She is about to call a cab when suddenly a car pulls up beside her. The driver asks if she needs a ride. She hesitates to even answer, but the man tells her there is nothing to worry about and shows her a Bible on the front seat of his car. After she gets inside the car, everything changes. The man with the Bible does not take her home. A kidnapping and the horror that follows is about to unfold. He drives her to a remote location off of Horde Road in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. There, her clothing is forcibly removed. He beats her savagely, and then he rapes her. He also steals her purse, her watch, and her wedding ring, and then flees the scene, leaving her alone, wearing only a bra and a sweater. Badly abused and helpless, she walks through a field, and in the darkness she sees a house. Desperate for help, she knocks on the door. Once inside, she calls the police and is taken to the hospital. Rutherford County Sheriff's Detective Jack Keesling is assigned the case. Using excellent investigative techniques, Detective Keesling was able to establish the name of the man who committed the crimes of kidnapping, robbery, and rape on that cold and rainy December night. The man's name was Lewis James Patterson. In May of 2001, the Rutherford County Grand Jury returned an indictment against 34-year-old Lewis James Patterson. The indictment charged Patterson with rape, kidnapping, and robbery. The case was assigned to the court of Judge Don Ash. Patterson was represented by Murfreesboro attorney Carla Ford. The prosecution team consisted of District Attorney General William C. Weisel, Jr., and Assistant District Attorney J. Paul Newman. On September the 27th, 2001, Lewis James Patterson waived his right to a jury trial and entered pleas of guilty to aggravated kidnapping and aggravated rape. Pursuant to the plea agreement, Judge Ash sentenced Patterson to serve 20 years. And on the aggravated rape charge and the aggravated kidnapping charge, he ran another eight-year sentence. Judge Ash ordered that the two sentences be served consecutively for an effective sentence of 28 years to serve in the Tennessee State Penitentiary. A few months after pleading guilty, 
Lewis James Patterson filed a motion in an attempt to withdraw his plea. But just days before his motion could be heard, the 37-year-old man who had used the Bible as a lure to commit kidnapping and rape died. With us today to discuss this case is Detective Jack Keesling of the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. It is our policy not to identify the victim in sexual assault cases, and we will not do so in this case. Without identifying her, can you tell us how is she doing? I have seen her on several occasions. I can tell you that there's a lot of evil in the world, and I've been in law enforcement almost 35 years. I've never seen a case that I would think is as horrific as this. I can tell you that her spirit during that altercation was one of fighting for her life. I think she reflected on her family. You know, she was just trying to get through that moment, you know, to see tomorrow. And in speaking with her, I I do know that she has continued to go on with her career. She has excelled in that. She has a fantastic family. Her parents were fantastic people, faith-based people. And she definitely had an angel on her shoulder that night. She continues to do well and sells in her life and uh, her family and and her children. Detective Keesling, would you tell us more about how you were able to establish that Lewis James Patterson was indeed the person who had committed these horrible crimes? When the incident occurred and after speaking with her and going to the hospital and talking to her and trying to round up everything that we could, we went back out to the field the next morning. We were able to locate some of her personal property. We determined that she had had some credit cards that were taken and she also had a cell phone that was taken as well as her pocketbook. Her husband and her parents wanted to cancel the credit cards and cut off the phone. I advised them that in this particular situation, being that we didn't have anything other than the possible car description, you really didn't know who we were dealing with. I told her that it would be best to leave the credit cards active and to leave the cell phone on and not turn it off. This might be our only shot at determining possibly who was involved in this. this. We got some information from the banks that her credit cards had been used at the uh, Hickory Hollow Mall and at several locations here in Murfreesboro, as well as in Kingston, Tennessee, for buying gas. Myself and other investigators went to Nashville. We obtained some video footage of a black male subject and a black female in some of the videos using the credit cards, as well as a small child. Through that, we were able to bring up some photos of the subjects, but really we still didn't really have a location to start. I think a break in the case actually came on uh, December the 22nd. The cell phone had been used right after the incident had occurred. It was early in the morning hours of the 10th. There were two calls made. One was into the Birmingham, Alabama area, was a Verizon subscriber. The other one was into Nashville, was a Cricket subscriber. It took a little while to get the Cricket subscription back. On uh, January the 2nd, myself and Detective Gross made contact with a Mrs. Woods in Nashville. Upon uh, talking to her, she seemed to be very cooperative, so advised her that a cell phone had been taken from a woman who had been assaulted in Murfreesboro. And, and I also had the pictures from, the photographs from the, uh, the mall in Hickory Hollow and showed her those pictures. And she said, well, that looks like my ex-boyfriend. And then I asked her about the vehicle, and she said, well, his current girlfriend has a vehicle just like that. So I knew then that I was possibly on to something. Cool. And so at that point, I made up a photo lineup of five individuals and the suspect, and I took that to the school where my victim was working at, and she identified him through a picture. That's how we were able to identify him. Uh, she was, without a doubt, she was positive that that was him. On the uh, 4th, uh, we went back with a search warrant to the uh, address on Lee Street. We recovered a lot of the property that had been taken. 
I recovered her wedding rings, a watch, and several other items that had been bought with the credit cards. He was uh, he was taken back to the sheriff's office, and of course he was advised of his rights, and he waived his rights to counsel and agreed to talk to me. And basically what he had said was that earlier that night, on the 9th, that him and his girlfriend, current girlfriend, had gotten into an argument, and that he left the apartment with her car and he was mad. When driving around Murfreesboro, came up on our, our victim who was standing beside the Quicksack on Broad Street. He noticed that she was crying. He had pulled up beside her and asked her if everything was okay. She said that, uh, and she had admitted, uh, you know, what had gone on, and she had admitted that she was just go- going to go, you know, walk home. He had volunteered to give her a ride home. She was a little apprehensive at first, and he reached in the back seat and pulled a Bible out, and he said, look, you don't have to be afraid. He said, I've got a Bible here. He said, I'm a good guy, and he put it up on the dash. She said she had some red flags, but due to it being a, a miserable night and whatnot, she got into the car, and he advised that he was going to drive her home, and he went the opposite way, and she brought it to his attention that he was going the wrong way, at which time he reached down underneath the seat. He said, don't do anything. He said, I've got a gun. And so then she knew that her nightmare was just about to begin, and they drove out to that area on Horde Road. And when he pulled into the field, she jumped out of the vehicle and ran. And, of course, he caught up to her and punched her and assaulted her. And and when it was over, he told her to take off running and not to look back. She said at that time, she said the most worrisome thing was that he was going to shoot her in the back. And, of course, she was barefoot and had only a top on and managed to fight her way through the weeds and whatnot. And she came upon a light in the distance and managed to make her way to that light. It turned out to be a residence. And at that time, the people came to the door and the police were contacted. Detective Keesling, we want to thank you and the other members of the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department for the excellent job performed in bringing Lewis James Patterson to justice. This is Paul Newman. Good morning. I'm looking at a three, maybe four car crash over here blocking the center lane on 40 westbound just past Fessler's. All this is going to do is aggravate that heavy traffic now, trying to get in from the airport over in from Donaldson. Uh, Again, over to this point over here on 40 westbound just past Fessler's. As you head towards downtown, it's just limping along now. Over here on 40 westbound at Spence Lane, it's still busy but moving on. 24 coming out of Rutherford County up through the Hickory Hollow area. Radar through Wilson County this morning down the interstate. Nash Painting Services all Middle Tennessee. Check them out today at NashPainting.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street across from the tall NHC building. All of the proceeds that we generate from our store goes directly back into the ministry for those programs that Greenhouse has. So we would just encourage people to come out and take a look. The Garden Patch offers competitive prices on name brand clothing, furniture, large appliances, household items, toys, and more. Shopping at the Garden Patch helps Greenhouse Ministries inspire Buyer, give hope and change lives. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street in downtown Murfreesboro. Broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios, MTE supplies power to the station's 328-foot tower in downtown Murfreesboro. MTE, serving to make life better since 1936. This is Inside the Courts. A look at this month's trials, pleas, and grand jury action. Inside the Courts is presented as a courtesy of the Rutherford County Clerk's Office. Good morning, everyone. This is your District Attorney General, Jennings Jones, and today I will be your tour guide through this episode of Inside the Courts. We begin this segment by stating that none of the defendants named in upcoming trials or hearings have been convicted, and, of course, they are presumed by our law to be innocent. With that as a prelude, we will now go Inside the Courts. 
On October the 6th of October 2022, officers with the Laverne Police Department were dispatched to a residence on Almondwood Place in Laverne, Tennessee, in response to a shooting that led to the death of the homeowner, Miss Robin Taylor. Detective Tanner Noakes has been assigned as lead investigator in this case. Miss Taylor's sister, Candace Davis, was on scene when officers arrived and initially stated that an unknown subject shot her sister and ran away. Miss Davis later changed her story and claimed her sister attacked her and that she shot Miss Taylor in self-defense. Upon conclusion of Detective Noakes' investigation and in light of the evidence collected on scene, it was determined that Miss Davis was not justified in shooting Miss Taylor. As a result, Miss Candace Davis was charged with second-degree murder. A preliminary hearing was held in the Rutherford County General Sessions Courts on November 4th of last year. At the conclusion of the hearing, the court determined that probable cause existed to bind the matter over to a Rutherford County grand jury. The defendant is represented by counsel, Mr. Thompson Kirkpatrick, while the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On July 6th of last year, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office responded to a residence on Panther Creek Road in response to a shooting. After receiving a 911 call, deputies discovered the body of Mr. Clarence Rowden, who had been shot multiple times. Witnesses at the scene identified Mr. Jeffrey Burris as the shooter. Mr. Burris was located and found to be in possession of a firearm. He was taken into custody and interviewed by Detective Kyle Norod, who has been assigned as lead detective in this case. Upon the conclusion of his investigation, Mr. Burris was charged with first-degree murder of Clarence Rowden. On December 8, 2022, Mr. Burris appeared in the General Sessions Court of Rutherford County and agreed to bind his case over to the grand jury. Mr. Burris was represented by Murfreesboro Attorney Josh Crane, while the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On August 30th of last year, Officers with the Smyrna Police Department responded to a shooting at a gas station on Sam Ridley Parkway. Mr. Nicholas Patterson, who had been working that night, had been shot during the course of an attempted robbery. Mr. Patterson later died as a result of his injuries. Surveillance video showed an armed subject enter the store, point his firearm at Mr. Patterson, fire at least one shot into the ceiling of the store, and then shoot Mr. Patterson before running out of the store. Detective Steve Hanna with the Smyrna Police Department has been assigned as the lead investigator on this case. As a result of two other robberies, one in Brentwood and one in Nashville, Mr. Key Anthony Williams was identified as a suspect. Upon execution of a search warrant, Mr. Williams was taken into custody and found to be in possession of a firearm. After being interviewed by law enforcement, Mr. Williams was charged with the first-degree murder of Mr. Nicholas Patterson. Mr. Williams is being held at the Rutherford County Adult Detention Center and awaits his next court date on February 14th of this year in the Smyrna General Sessions Courts. Mr. Williams remains in Rutherford County Adult Detention Center on a bond of $500,000. On September 27th of 2021, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to a residence on Bivens Hill Road in reference to a shooting. Once on scene, deputies located Miss Tony Odom, who was the victim of a gunshot wound, and subsequently died from her injuries. Detective Ty Downing with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department has been assigned as the lead investigator in this case. After interviewing witnesses and reviewing physical evidence found at the scene, Detective Downing identified Erwin Odom, the victim's husband, as the suspect. 
At the conclusion of the investigation, Mr. Odom was charged with first-degree murder. Mr. Odom is represented by his counsel, Mr. Josh Crane, while the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Sarah Davis. On November 7th of last year, Mr. Odom waived his right to a preliminary hearing and agreed to bind his case over to the grand jury. On December 4th of 2020, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department were dispatched to an apartment complex on North Rutherford Boulevard in reference to a shooting that resulted in the death of Mr. Montavis Jones. Mr. Jones was left laying in an apartment complex parking lot. Murfreesboro Detective Chris Pate has been assigned as the lead investigator. After the shooting, Mr. Mikhail Boyd was located at St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital seeking treatment for a gunshot wound. Video surveillance footage showed Mr. Boyd being brought to the hospital by Mr. Tevin Campbell and Mr. Paul Turner. After a lengthy investigation that included interviews with witnesses, obtaining cell phone records, social media records, and expert witness reports, Detective Pate charged Mr. Boyd, Mr. Campbell, and Mr. Turner, along with Mr. Martavius Guy with first-degree murder, attempted especially aggravated robbery, and employing a firearm during the commission of a dangerous felony. Mr. Guy's girlfriend, Mr. Pardon me, Ms. Tybricia Lattimore, has been charged with conspiracy to commit aggravated robbery and facilitation to especially aggravated robbery. Mr. Boyd is represented by counsel, Mr. Art Quinn. Mr. Turner, represented by the public defender, Mr. Gerald Melton. Mr. Guy is represented by Mr. Ben Powers. Ms. Lattimore is represented by Mr. Jeffrey Jackson, and Mr. Campbell is represented by Mr. Michael Offinger. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. A preliminary hearing was held on August the 8th of last year in the General Sessions Courts for Rutherford County. After presentation of proof, all charges were bound over by the court and await a presentment to the Rutherford County Grand Jury. On April 24th of 2021, Officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department heard shots fired and responded to 1621 Middle Tennessee Boulevard. Officers found Mr. Shakur Ali, who had been shot and later died from his injuries. Apollo Cantrell was identified as the shooter, and he fled the state. Detective Richard Presley with the Murfreesboro Police Department has been assigned as the least lead investigator in this case. Through cooperation with the state of Iowa, Mr. Cantrell was apprehended. He is pre presently incarcerated at the Rutherford County Adult Detention Center on charges of second-degree murder and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. He is represented by counsel, Mr. Will Fraley. A preliminary hearing was held on February 7th of last year, and the General Sessions Courts found probable cause to bind this matter over to the Rutherford County Grand Jury. On October 24th of 2020, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting that occurred at the intersection of North Tennessee Boulevard and Stonewall Boulevard. Officers discovered there the body of Mr. Blake Bolton, who was the victim of two gunshot wounds. Detective Albert Miles with the Murfreesboro Police Department has been assigned as the lead investigator in this case. At the conclusion of Detective Miles' investigation, Mr. Cody Gilliam was charged with first-degree murder of Mr. Bolton. A Rutherford County grand jury indicted Mr. Gilliam for first-degree murder, especially aggravated robbery, burglary to an automobile, possession of methamphetamine with the intent to distribute, employment of a weapon during the commission of a dangerous felony, and conspiracy to commit the above. 
Mr. Gilliam is represented by counsel Mr. Brennan Foy, while the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This case will next appear in court on March 7th of this year. On April the 9th of 2020, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a residence on North Rutherford Boulevard in response to a shooting, resulting in the death of Mr. Stephen Lopez Jr. Lead investigator Detective Richard Presley has charged Mr. James Evans III with the second-degree murder of Mr. Lopez Jr. Mr. Evans waived his right to a preliminary hearing and bound his case over to the grand jury. In March of 21, a grand jury returned a true bill against Mr. Evans. Mr. Evans is represented by Murfreesboro attorney Mr. Jack Mitchell, and the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This case is currently set to return to court on February 3rd of this year. <clears throat> on September the 8th of 2019, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting on Journey Drive. Officers discovered Marquis Turner had been shot on the sidewalk after leaving an event at the Elks Lodge and later died from his injuries. Detective Cody Thomas of the Murfreesboro Police Department was assigned as lead investigator and developed Khalil Smith as his suspect. Upon conclusion of the detective's investigation, Mr. Smith was charged with second-degree murder and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. Khalil Smith is presently incarcerated at the Rutherford County Adult Detention Center, in August of 2022, a Rutherford grand jury indicted Mr. Smith for second-degree murder, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, and employing a firearm during the commission of a dangerous felony. Mr. Smith is represented by counsel Mr. Stephen Perkins. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. The next court date in this matter is set for January 30th of 2023 before Circuit Court Judge Jimmy Turner. On the 26th of June, 2019, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to the residence of Mr. Terry Barber on Walnut Grove Road. Mr. Barber was found deceased, lying on the floor with his hands and feet bound together. Lead investigator, Rutherford County Detective Steve Brown, has charged three individuals, Devin Gailey, Brent Ross, and Vernice Ferrer, with the first-degree murder of Terry Barber. On January 20th of 2022, Devin Gailey entered a plea of guilty to felony murder and especially aggravated kidnapping and received a life sentence with the possibility of parole and a concurrent 25-year sentence. On March 24th of last year, Ms. Vernice Ferrer was found guilty by a jury of her peers of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. On September the 8th of last year, Ms. Ferrer was further sentenced to a concurrent 25 years for aggravated robbery, aggravated kidnapping, and aggravated burglary of Mr. Barber. Brent Ross is represented by counsel Mr. Michael Jones. A trial is scheduled for the dates of January 23rd through the 25th. I will be representing the state in this matter, assisted by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On April the 30th of 2018, the Laverne Police Department responded to George Buchanan Drive in response to a shooting. Emergency personnel transported the juvenile victim to the Vanderbilt Hospital, where they later died from their injuries. The victim's younger siblings were present at the time of the shooting. Detective Hudgens was assigned as lead investigator, assisted by Detective Steve Krotz. It was determined that the victim was attempting to buy a cell phone and that had been advertised on social media.
At the conclusion of the investigation, it was determined that Brian Berry and Marquise Hughes lured the victim to that location with the intent to rob the victim. During the course of the robbery, either Mr. Berry or Mr. Hughes shot the victim. The defendants have been indicted for first-degree murder and aggravated robbery. Brian Berry is represented by Mr. Russell Nixon, and the state is represented by Mr. Trevor Lynch. This matter is set for trial to begin on April 17th of this year. On June 8th of 2020, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to a shooting on Summertown Drive. While en route, deputies observed a vehicle matching the description of the suspect's vehicle leaving the area. A traffic stop was conducted, and deputies took the driver and, and a Yo Sincere Fom fan into custody. Deputies observed and recovered an object later identified as a firearm that had been thrown from the vehicle. At the scene of the shooting, deputies discovered the body of Mr. Thien Nguyen sitting in the driver's seat of his vehicle. Mr. Nguyen had a single gunshot wound to his head. Detective Sergeant Ty Downing has been assigned as the lead investigator in this case. After interviewing witnesses, collecting physical evidence, and execution of a search warrant on electrical devices, Yosincere Famphon was charged with first-degree murder, attempted especially aggravated robbery, tampering with evidence, and employing a weapon during the commission of an offense. The defendant is represented by counsel, Mr. Will Fraley, while the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This matter is currently set for trial March 20th through the 24th of this year. On July 26th of 2020, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to the residence of Mr. Eric Bixler. Upon arrival, deputies found Mr. Bixler deceased as the result of multiple stab wounds. A female companion of Mr. Bixler advised deputies that two armed men had attacked Mr. Bixler and held her at gunpoint while they searched the premises. The female stated that she had heard Mr. Bixler being tortured by his defendants. Detective Ty Downing was assigned as the lead investigator for this case. Following Detective Downing's investigation, Mr. Christopher White and Mr. Christopher Robinson, both from Kentucky, were charged with first-degree murder. After a preliminary hearing in the General Sessions Court, the case was bound over to the Rutherford County Grand Jury. In March of 2021, a true bill was returned against both. Mr. White is represented by counsel, Mr. Paul Bruno, and Mr. Robinson is represented by counsels, Mr. Rob McKinney and Mr. Brian Lewis. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This matter is set for trial to begin May 8th of this year. On June the 27th of 2018, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting on Old Las Casas Pike. Upon arrival, officers located Dylan Biddle Jr., who had sustained multiple gunshot wounds. Mr. Biddle later died from his injuries. Officers were also contacted about an unknown male that had been shot and was attempting to get into vehicles at the Reeves Rogers Elementary School. That male was later identified as Albert Mustafa. Murfreesboro Detective Doug Arrington was assigned as the lead investigator on this case. Multiple witnesses were interviewed and evidence on the scene was collected. Upon conclusion of the investigation, it was determined that Mr. Mustafa and Devante James went to a residence on Old Las Casas with the intent to commit a robbery. Mr. Biddle was a guest at that residence. Mr. Mustafa and Mr. James entered the residence and attempted to rob Mr. Biddle. During the course of the attempted robbery, Mr. Biddle was shot and killed. Mr. Biddle was, however, able to return fire, and Mr. Mustafa sustained a gunshot wound as a result. Mr. Mustafa and Mr. James 
were charged with first-degree murder, aggravated robbery, employing a weapon during the commission of a dangerous felony, and conspiracy to commit the same. Mr. Mustafa is represented by counsel Mr. Thomas Parkerson. Mr. James is represented by Mr. Russell Perkins, while the state is represented by Mr. Trevor Lynch. This matter is currently set for trial to start June the 12th of this year. And that will conclude today's look inside the courts. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell from Music World and Drummer's Den. We offer a good assortment of everything. We have new guitars, Gill, Seagull, Godin, lots of brands, vintage guitars. We have everything you need, keyboards, drums, and every instrument you can think of. We would welcome you to come in and look around, see what you can find that you have to have. The Music World and Drummer's Den is located at 2762 South Church Street, right across from Indian Hills Golf Course. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. What's the law? Time now for an examination of the laws of Tennessee. This is not intended to be legal advice and is being presented solely for the informational benefit of our listening audience. You should always consult with an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Good morning, listeners. Today I want to take this opportunity to talk to you about a recent decision rendered by the Tennessee Supreme Court. In a previous episode, I discussed with you the elements of first-degree murder and the possible sentences for that offense. Just a brief recap, first-degree murder is the intentional premeditated killing of another or a killing of another that occurs during the commission of or attempted commission of one or more specific criminal offenses. The penalty for first-degree murder in the state of Tennessee is either life, which is considered 60 years with parole eligibility after the service of 51 years, or life without the possibility of parole, or death. Now to the Tennessee Supreme Court's case. On November 15th of 2015, a 16-year-old male, last name of Booker, and another juvenile were riding in a car in Knoxville, Tennessee, with a 26-year-old male, last name Caldwell. Caldwell was driving, Booker was in the back passenger seat, and the other juvenile was in the front passenger seat. At some point, Caldwell pulled the vehicle over, and Booker shot Caldwell six times, hitting Caldwell in the back, the side of the chest, and the right shoulder. Booker and the other juvenile ran away, taking Caldwell's phone. At trial, Booker's neighbor testified that Booker told her he and the other juvenile had intended to rob Caldwell. Booker also told her that once he started shooting, he couldn't stop until the gun was empty. Booker testified at trial and admitted to killing Caldwell, but he claimed that a fight had occurred and that Caldwell pulled a gun on the other juvenile, so he pulled his gun and shot Caldwell in self-defense of his friend. He admitted to taking Caldwell's phone, but claimed he borrowed it before the shooting and didn't realize he still had it. The jury convicted Booker of first-degree murder and especially aggravated robbery. Booker was sentenced to life in prison with parole eligibility after service of 51 years. You see, although he was 16 years old, a judge at a previous hearing had determined that Booker would be transferred from juvenile court to adult court. 
Booker appealed his sentence to the Court of Criminal Appeals challenging the constitutionality of the Tennessee's automatic life sentence for first-degree murder when imposed on a juvenile. The Court of Criminal Appeals affirmed the conviction and the sentence. The Supreme Court granted Booker's application for permission to appeal to address only the constitutionality of Tennessee's sentence of life imprisonment when automatically imposed on a juvenile. In essence, the Tennessee Supreme Court said they wanted to hear argument about whether or not that sentence violated the Eighth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and Article 1, Section 16 of the Tennessee Constitution. The Tennessee Supreme Court cited the U.S. Supreme Court's holding that the principle of proportionality is embedded in the Eighth Amendment and that it is a precept of justice that punishment for a crime should be graduated in proportion to the offense. The Tennessee Supreme Court then looked at holdings of the U.S. Supreme Court as to juveniles, citing, The court has been clear about the central importance of proportionality when imposing significant criminal punishment. In 1988, the U.S. Supreme Court held that the Eighth Amendment prohibited executing juveniles under the age of 16. The U.S. Supreme Court determined that less culpability should attach to a crime committed by a juvenile than to a comparable crime committed by an adult. In 2005, the U.S. Supreme Court held that the Eighth Amendment prohibited imposing the death penalty on any juvenile offenders. The U.S. Supreme Court had held that juveniles are constitutionally different from adults for purposes of sentencing and that juveniles are less deserving of the most severe punishments because they have diminished culpability and greater prospects for reform. The court held that the sentencing authority must have an opportunity to consider the mitigating qualities in youth. The U.S. Supreme Court held that youth matters in sentencing. The key assumption is that a discretionary sentencing allows the senator to consider the juvenile's youth and thereby help ensure that life without parole sentences or death sentences are imposed only in cases where the sentence is appropriate in light of the defendant's age. So the court's remedy does not preclude life without the possibility of parole. However, it does require procedural safeguard of individualized sentencing to minimize the risk of erroneously imposing a disproportionate sentence. Having said all of that, the Tennessee Supreme Court then looked at Booker's case specifically and taking into consideration previous rulings by the United States Supreme Court. The Tennessee Supreme Court then looked at Tennessee's life sentence of 60 years with parole eligibility after serving 51 years for juvenile offenders convicted of first-degree murder. One thing of note the Tennessee Supreme Court did was look at all other states' life sentences for juveniles. They found that Tennessee is the harshest when compared to all other states. The Tennessee Supreme Court found that Tennessee is out of step with the rest of the country in the severity of sentences imposed on juvenile homicide offenders. Now, one could also say that Tennessee holds the value of human life in a higher regard than any other state, and therefore when it comes to the first-degree murder of a person in our state, we hold those responsible for the murder just that, responsible. After looking at all other states, the Tennessee Supreme Court considered the proportionality concerns as to whether the sentencer could consider the offender's age and circumstances, the nature of the crime, and the severity of the sentence. They found that in Tennessee, a sentence of life for first-degree murder was automatically, that is automatically imposed without consideration of age and the nature of the crime or other factors. Without going through the entire extent of the Tennessee Supreme Court's rationale for their ruling, the Tennessee Supreme Court found that Tennessee's life sentence of 60 years with parole eligibility after serving 51 years violated the Eighth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution 
in Article 1, Section 16 of the Tennessee Constitution. So now what? The Tennessee Supreme Court found that a previous statute that had not been repealed, Tennessee Code Annotated 4035-501, that allows for a parole hearing to take place after serving between 25 and 36 years. They determined this to be an individualized parole hearing in which the juvenile's age, rehabilitation, and other circumstances could be considered. That this will apply to those that were juveniles at the time of the offense, and it does not affect the sentence of anyone that was an adult at the time of the commission of the offense. So at present, at least with adults, Tennessee still places the value of human life and the consequences of taking life as a result of first-degree murder higher than any other states. However, as of now, when it comes to juvenile offenders that commit the crime of first-degree murder, after serving 25 to 36 years, they will now be eligible for an individualized parole hearing for that parole board to take into consideration their age, rehabilitation, nature of the offense, and determine whether or not that individual should be released back into society. And that will conclude this episode of What's the Law? Thank you. When should you take a tour of Adams Place? Well, I don't think it's ever too early. I drive by here, and I kept thinking, now that's where I think I would like to live. We're talking with Carol Johnston. And so I did take a tour, and it's a homey atmosphere. That's what I liked about it. Don't wait too long. I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. For adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, poor candidates for systemic or phototherapy, now there's SkyRizzy. Risen Kizumab Rizza, a prescription only 150 milligram injection. With SkyRizzy, three out of four people achieve 90% clear skin at four months. And SkyRizzy is just four doses a year after two starter doses. Nothing in me go hand in hand. Nothing on my skin, that's my new Don't use if allergic to Skyrizi. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. With Skyrizi, you could achieve 90% clearer skin. Ask your doctor about the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic and psoriasis and visit skyrizi.com or call 1-866-SKYRIZI to learn more. As we end our program today, we thank WGNS for providing the airtime. And we thank our producer, Scott Walker. And special thanks to Detective Jack Keesling from the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. Most of all, we thank you for listening. Our next scheduled broadcast is Friday morning, February the 3rd at 8.10 a.m. On your good neighbor station, WGNS. We leave now by saying, a safe community is the responsibility of each and every one of us. For my two co-hosts, Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones and Rutherford County Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch, this is J. Paul Newman, bidding all of you a safe and blessed day.
The District Attorney's Office thanks you for listening to today's program. If you have any information regarding criminal activity in our community, please contact one of our law enforcement agencies. The information presented on today's show is solely for informational benefit and not intended to be legal advice. You should always consult an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Rutherford County's most trusted name in news. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro.